Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, book lovers. Want to hear a story? Welcome back to Storytime with M. This is a mini episode from M's Books and Cats podcast, where I am sharing my book, The Last Witch, a chapter a week. And this week is chapter eight. Enjoy. Valencia was gone when I woke up. The sun was already above the treetops, and Blade stood on the back lawn, smiling up at me and waving. I moved slowly toward the library door, simultaneously dreading and desiring my encounter with Blade. The bookshelf began to rattle, vibrating other books off the shelves and onto the floor. I crept to Dumavine and timidly pulled him out. Finally, bring me with you. I know you're going to see your boyfriend. This could be it, and I might be able to help you. Promise me you won't say anything. You won't give yourself away to Blade. Blade? What an awful name. I promise I will not say one word unless we are alone. I'm here to help you, Casey. That's the whole reason your mother made me. Fine, just be quiet. I shoved him into my backpack and threw it over my shoulder. As I turned to leave, I noticed something on the desk. A small green bottle with a tag. The tag was labeled Gooey. There was a note underneath the bottle, written in Valencia's fragile handwriting. Dear Casey, I am not strong and will not be able to join you on your journey. I hope to see you again before it is all done. But if I cannot, know how much I love you. Take Duma with you so he may be of use and redeem himself. I hope he will not cause you harm. Take this bottle with you as well, but do not use it unless you absolutely must. It will help you when everything looks bleak and you are out of options. Good luck, my child. May you be blessed by the witches who came before you. Valencia. I put the bottle and the note in my pocket and hurried outside to meet Blade. The warm sun glistened on his beautiful hair and he was smiling the smile that made me fall in love with him in the first place. His hands were in his pockets, and he seemed nervous. The toe of his sneaker burrowed into the thick grass, and his eyes were trained steadily on the ground between us. Hi, Casey. Hi. Silence followed, a tense silence filled with waiting. There was a rustle in the trees, and I jumped and turned to see Evelyn step out of the forest, carrying a bright pink box. It was the game's sweet adventure and her eyes glowed with excitement. Her curly pigtails bounced as she ran toward us. Look what I have. It's my favorite game in the whole world, and we're going to play it. Blade looked at me sheepishly. Do you mind? She won't stop bugging me about it. You promised you'd play it with me, Casey, remember? I was stunned. The change in Evelyn was amazing. Had I not known what she truly was, I would have thought I was just looking at a little girl who was very excited to play her favorite board game. I nodded and tried to smile. Sure, I'll play. Hooray! Her enthusiasm was a little over the top, as if she was playing a part and had overdone her role. I get to be pink! Blade rolled his eyes. What else? Evelyn ran into the backyard and up the hill, stopping in front of the entrance to the maze. Her eyes were big and round as she gazed at the towering hedges. Ooh, I want to play in there. Can we, Blade? Please? Her voice hovered in a high-pitched whine, and we both winced. Blade looked at me, his face a mask, playing the role of irritated older brother to perfection. 
Everything he did was perfection, even deceiving me. I shrugged my shoulders and nodded. Evelyn didn't wait for anything more. She squealed and raced into the maze, followed by Blade calling for her to slow down and stay close to him. As I followed them, I touched the bag on my back to reassure myself that Duma was still there. He stirred briefly, but did not speak. We reached the fountain without incident, and Blade insisted that we bathe ourselves in the waters. I tried to seem agreeable, but when the others dunked their heads, I splashed some water over mine instead. I didn't trust anything Blade did anymore, and the taste of the vile black waters was still fresh in my memory. Blade and Evelyn looked at me oddly when they surfaced and tried to keep their eyes from drifting to my merely damp hair and dry clothes. Evelyn knelt and began setting up the game. Have you ever played Sweet Adventure, Casey? I did when I was little. Evelyn smiled. There was something in that smile that made my knees weak. There was something underneath the sweetness that looked a lot like pure evil. Well, we play it a little differently than most people, but I think our way is a lot more fun. I turned to look at Blade, but he had vanished. Don't worry about my brother. He's just gone to get what we need to start the game. He'll be back. He wouldn't miss this for anything. He's quite in love with you. Did you know that? He kisses a picture of you every night before he goes to bed. Idiot. Just then a terrible scream ripped through the bright morning. A large dark mass flew through the air above us and crashed into the fountain. Blade emerged from the maze, his hair and clothes rumpled and his eyes on fire. Valencia groaned from atop the lion, her fragile body bent and broken. Blood filled the fountain as she groaned once more and lay still. I started screaming and ran at Blade, intending to tear out his eyes with my fingernails, but he grabbed me and threw me into the fountain, bathing me in my great-grandmother's blood. Blade and Evelyn knelt at the edge and drank, gulping down the dark red water and grinning with gruesome red mouths. I struggled to my feet and lunged at Blade. He retaliated and with a swift, powerful kick sent me flying back into the lion. I heard Duma muffle a scream as we smashed into the stone. Blade stepped into the water and lifted me in his strong arms. I didn't want to do that, Casey. Please don't make me do it again. You've agreed to play our game, and you will play by the rules. Do you understand? I nodded. His breath was in my face, hot and stale, like a room that had been shut up for years and baking in the sun, while everything in it wasted away to dust. Evelyn stepped forward. Rule number one, she said, her voice shrill and out of control. Drink up. Blade shoved my face into the fountain. I clamped my lips shut, refusing to drink, but he was patient. He held me under until I could no longer hold my breath. My lungs burned, and my mouth flew open. I sputtered and choked, fighting against him, but before he released me, I drank. It tasted like pennies, and it burned my throat. I threw up as soon as Blade released me, but that didn't seem to matter. Evelyn was kneeling beside the board. Blade joined her, and they both looked up at me expectantly. Evelyn held out the stack of star-shaped pink cards. You go first. The game was very simple, designed for little kids under six years old. The player chose a card. Each card had a color or a shape on it, and you moved your game piece to that color or shape. Some of the cards had special characters, jolly elves and prancing fairies, and they usually gave you extra turns or an opportunity to roll the dice of chance. I drew my first card fearfully, unsure of what would happen once I did. It was a yellow sun, and I moved my star-shaped game piece to the matching space. Instantly, I felt the temperature rise. The day had been cool, 
a sign that summer was ending and school was fast approaching. But now the air became hot and sticky. The breeze died and the sweat beaded on our foreheads. Blade quickly took his card, a blue diamond. The temperature dropped severely, freezing the sweat onto our skin. Evelyn took her card, an orange hexagon. I wondered what would come of that until the hedges began to change color. The leaves changed from a rich, dark green to dry, brittle orange. The game continued like that for a while, each card changing our surroundings, but affecting nothing more. On one of his turns, Blade drew a card with a red heart on it. He turned to me, his eyes so full of love that I felt my cheeks grow hot in spite of myself. He passed the card to me, and our fingers touched lightly, and the feeling of his touch lingered long after our hands had parted. Evelyn made an unpleasant gagging noise and pulled the next card. On it was a tiny blue fairy, holding a pair of dice in one hand and a question mark in the other. Suddenly the air was filled with the whirring of thousands of tiny wings. Fairies of every color filled the sky above us, darting in and out and doing tricks. In a shower of sparks, the blue fairy descended, holding the dice and a tiny golden box. She did not speak as she held out her hands to Evelyn. The girl turned her dark eyes to me and smiled. I think I'll pass on the trinket. It's time to roll the dice and take a chance. Her grin was terrible. Her teeth were small and sharp, and there seemed to be too many of them. She took the dice from the fairy and threw them onto the board. A swirling ball of light appeared before us, and Evelyn was sucked into its blinding radiance. The ball floated through the air and down one of the eight paths of the maze. The light faded, and the fairies vanished, leaving Blade and I alone in the morning sun. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw Blade watching me. He fidgeted nervously. I wondered if their game was not going according to plan. He took a deep breath and let out a long sigh. Finally, he spoke. Casey, listen to me. Evie will be back soon, and we haven't got a lot of time. The special cards are where the trouble lies, not so much for us as for you. Evie is probably turning them against you right now. Who? The creatures. The ones in the game. They're real, but only in this place. The maze is a portal. A doorway to a place of magic far beyond the powers of Witch and Rasky combined. Only that power can reunite the halves of the great Rasky king. But it needs a very powerful sacrifice. The last witch of the Norkhalo bloodline. You must play for your life. Do anything necessary, even if it means killing me. You must not hesitate. I will not be able to help you when she returns. This is all the help I can give you, besides my undying love. I don't understand. He silenced me with a motion of his hand. She's coming. Evie emerged from the path. Her dress was torn and dirty, and her hair disheveled. She was smiling, but seemed tired to the point of exhaustion. She collapsed on the ground next to me, and I could smell a sharp, acidic scent mixed with the light, powdery scent of a little girl. She looked at me with her eyes darker than before and grinned that terrible grin. Your turn. Blade was the next person to draw a special card, a pink fairy carrying a large club and a pair of dice. I saw Evelyn watching him closely as the pink fairy broke from the group swarming above and approached him. Blade kept his eyes steadily on the fairy, ignoring his sister. His voice cracked a little as he took the club and rejected the dice. Evelyn glared at her brother, but did not speak. She pulled a card, a red flame. The hedge burst into flames. Intense heat and smoke surrounded us. Sweat rolled down my back, and I could feel my dress clinging to me. 
The cards were covered in soot as I pulled the next one. It was an elf. The flames around us went out, green leaves sprouted once again, and the musical laughter of a thousand voices erupted from the hedge. Little faces peered out all around us. They laughed joyfully, or menacingly. It was hard to tell. One came forward with dice in one hand, and a small golden box in the other. The same choice Evelyn had been given in the beginning. Give me the dice. I rolled and the light came. I was lifted off my feet and swiftly carried deep into the maze. When the glowing orb released me, I stood at the foot of a great snow-covered mountain. The hedge walls had vanished, and I was surrounded on all sides by snowy plains. An icy wind howled down the mountainside, screaming past my ears. My fingers were numb from the cold. I flexed them and slapped my hands to get my circulation going. There was a shriek on the wind that made my blood run cold. I looked to the top of the mountain. There was a glimmer there, something silvery high above me. The shriek came again, shaking the ground and letting loose an avalanche. Snow and rocks came thundering toward me. But before I could react, I heard the same shrill scream again. Riding down upon the snow was a woman clothed in white fur. Her eyes were silver and piercing. I held her gaze and stood my ground instead of trying to outrun the avalanche. I held my hands out before me, lowered my head, and closed my eyes. The sound was deafening. Snow and boulders thundered all around me, but I was safe. An energy force surrounded me, a tool I must have gained from Valencia. It went on forever. I could feel my strength weakening, and once I lost focus and a small rock slipped through and smashed into my skull, I saw spots before my eyes and felt blood trickling down my face. I struggled to refocus my energy and keep up my shield. When the snow finally slowed, I lowered my arms and looked around. There was a waist-high wall of snow all around me, and then I heard laughter. The woman approached. She walked lightly over the snow, her steps barely disturbing the flakes on top. She was beautiful, perhaps the most beautiful woman I had ever seen. Her hair was white gold and hung down to her waist, adorned only with a crown of icicles. Her lips were pale pink and curled into a cruel smile. From under her long fur cape, she pulled a large icicle, wielding it like a mighty sword. I started to claw my way out of the hole I was standing in, the snow falling away under my hands and feet. The air grew colder as she approached. It burned my lungs as I struggled to free myself. I scrambled to the surface and spoke a word, becoming as light as air and running fast over the snow. I could hear the woman following close behind. The white plains stretched out in front of me, and far ahead I could see a river, a stripe of darkness slicing through the endless white. I ran for it. The Ice Queen was closing in as we neared the riverbank. Once I felt her icy fingers graze my shoulder, and I called forth speed I didn't know I had. The distance between us grew, and I splashed into the cold, rushing waters. I heard the woman cry out, her voice fell and terrible. There was a sharp crackle that traveled quickly down the river as it began to freeze. I had one foot on the opposite bank when the river froze solid around me. I yanked hard on my leg, but it was stuck. The queen raised her cold, cruel knife. I lowered my head, anticipating the blow, and muttered a few words in a strange tongue I had never heard before. My body grew hot. My skin turned red and radiated heat. Flames shot out of my fingertips, and soon my whole body was engulfed. The river flowed once more, and I was free. I turned on the Ice Queen. Her look of composed cruelty wavered when she beheld my face. With a primal scream, I leapt into the air and threw myself upon her. She thrust her icy blade at me, but it melted as it touched my burning flesh. 
Her hands touched me and turned to steam. She ran from me in terror, and I stood watching her flee. She turned suddenly and called forth a great gale of wind that knocked me off my feet and plunged me into the cold, churning waters of the river, extinguishing my flames. Massive dark storm clouds gathered overhead. The thunder rumbled ominously. Rain pelted down and froze into sharp, thin daggers that pierced my skin and burned me with their coldness. I cut my hands and breathed into them. A ball of fire grew between my fingers. I threw it over me, and it exploded into a canopy of flame and heat. She ran at me and tackled me to the ground, steam erupting all around us as we screamed and clawed at each other. I managed to free my hands for a brief moment and chanted words I didn't understand. My hands burst into flames and I grabbed her face, watching it vanish beneath my fingers. Her final scream echoed in my mind long after she was nothing more than a puddle. I collapsed, exhausted and spent, and cried until the darkness came over me. When I opened my eyes, the snow was gone. The hedge surrounded me. I slowly got to my feet and emerged into the sunlight. Blade and Evelyn were still seated around the game, waiting expectantly. Their reactions upon seeing me were a study in opposites. Blade's face erupted into one of his handsomest grins, while Evelyn's face fell and she glared at me darkly. I settled myself back on the ground between them. Blade reached over and squeezed my hand, and Evelyn made a disgusted sound. Just take your turn, Blade. This is taking forever. She turned to me, once again smiling sweetly. You took so long we thought you weren't coming back at all. You wish. Let's play. Evelyn's smile vanished, and she looked like she might jump on me at any moment and claw out my eyes. Blade's small laugh as he took his card made her quiver with rage, but she held her tongue, and the game continued. And that is the end of Chapter 8, Book Lovers. I hope you're still enjoying The Last Witch. If you would like to read ahead, the book is available in paperback and Kindle editions. You can check it out on frappmedia.com, or you can just go to Amazon. Or wait till next week, and I will be back with a brand new chapter. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep reading. A Frapp Media Production.